In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest, Sharif Mityas, former Chief Experience Officer for TGI Fridays, TGIF, uh, you know, the restaurant world that we love. And welcome, Sharif. Well, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I know, you know, I, I can read uh, all your accolades and all the experience, but why don't, you, uh, why don't you give me a quick brief of, you know, what you've done in your career and uh, what you're focused on now? Sure. Well, uh, started way back as an aerospace engineer. So when they say uh, retail is not rocket science, you know, it's, it's a short hop from rocket science. Uh, but uh, spent most of my career in retail and hospitality, did a number of stints with some of the biggest retailers out there, as well as uh, restaurant chains. And, you know, to your point, um, my last adventure was uh, with a great brand, TGI Fridays, about 900 restaurants around the world as their chief experience officer, first time role uh, for the brand and really the purpose of bringing all the key functions together, kind of connecting the dots on behalf of our guests, right? So looking at how do you connect marketing with digital, with technology, with strategy, with culinary and, and bar and food innovation for the benefit of the consumer, right? How do you think about their experience versus functionally siloed inside an organization? So have the, uh, the honor of bringing those pieces together for the organization and really creating something new for our guests. That's awesome. Uh, as you've been uh, kind of maneuvering, uh, you know, in, in different kind of retail environments uh, over the years, what has been kind of your, the, the best experience that you've seen? What's been the best experience that you've uh, kind of seen in, in both restaurants and also, you know, if you have a favorite on the retail side as well? There's a lot of very interesting, you know, brands right now doing some very pretty cool stuff, you know, on the restaurant side. You know, you think about the technology that's being used in some of some of the newer brands, right? So you've got a group like Cali Burger out on the West Coast, right? They, they're employing Flippy, the robot, right? And so thinking about how do, you, how do you really utilize technology, not to replace people, but to really think about allowing folks to do more customer-facing activities and allowing more of the automation to occur through a technology solution. That's pretty cool stuff, right? And... We've got a number of brands actually coming out from Asia that are using facial recognition to pay, right? So you don't have to put a thumb down or take your phone out of your pocket. You just walk up to the kiosk, it knows your face, and you walk out with food. That's kind of next level, right? I mean, that's really taking it, especially now as we're going through this pandemic, right? How do you think differently about the interaction you want to have with consumers when they're concerned about safety, when they're concerned about touching things and speaking in front of other people? Technology is a great solution for that. And then even on the retail side, I mean, some great brands doing some interesting things. I think one of the most unique experiences that I had was actually up in Canada, the Canada Goose brand, right? They make the big parkas and things. Uh, well, they have uh, in some of their flagship stores, they have uh, dressing rooms uh, that are basically freezers. The dressing rooms, they, they cool down to like 40 below. And you go in there and you can try the jackets on basically 
in the situation in which you would need one of their jackets. And just think about that experience, right? You're, it's not just some normal dressing room with a mirror. You're actually walking in and seeing the, the value, not just of the style of the jacket, but will it keep you warm when it's 40 below? And that's really, again, thinking next level in terms of the experience you can provide a consumer that's just so differentiated and so different that it, it leaves a mark. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you've been kind of thinking through some of the changes, you know, again, as you said, we're kind of in the midst of, the, of, of in the middle of, uh, you know, the pandemic still. What are some of the biggest changes uh, that you've seen in, in customer consumer behavior uh, so far? Yeah, I think the biggest pieces are, you know, two things. One is we're seeing that the adoption of different technology and different digital, you know, really use cases has exploded, right? Not a lot of people before this had ever ordered online. They had never thought about getting groceries delivered, right? And now that's exploded, right? I mean, even the use of payments, right? I mean, at TGI Fridays, half of our guests used to use cash. That's gone away, right? No one's using cash anymore. So the ability to for consumers to have really adopted new ways of interacting with your brand and, and with, uh, you know, how do you pay? How do you order? How do you pick up? is fundamentally shifted for retailers and, and has caused innovation to occur at a lightning pace, right? People that wouldn't have even thought about going totally cashless are there now, right? People that wouldn't have even thought, how do you figure out curbside pickup? It's there now, right? It's, that acceleration has been amazing and, and it's really created some interesting innovation. So I think the adoption, I think we've seen the adoption in three months that you know has basically been what the last 10 years have been and consolidated into the last three months. And I think the second thing is it's caused brands, and again, from a consumer perspective, to think differently. And when I say that, it it's goes beyond talking just about their product or service, right? It really goes now to the experience. People want to feel safe when they interact with your brand. They want to feel that it's frictionless. It's convenient. There's so much stress in people's lives right now. Take one stress away. And if you're a brand and you're able to do that and, and build that trust for the consumer, I think that's what it's created is that I would say more intimacy between brands and consumers, because you have to be out front now as a brand. You have to be socially responsible and conscious about every action you're doing and that it makes sense for your consumer. And I think that's great, right? Because it's creating this bond between consumers and brands that goes beyond I've got the best widget. That's really the cool thing about, you know, if there's any silver lining that came out of this, it's caused brands to really think more innovative differently and really connect, I'd say, at a deeper level with their consumers. Totally true. Totally true. You know, some of the things that you said, of course, shifts in like payments, you know, curbside, stuff like that. How temporary uh, do you think these changes are? Is this kind of the new norm or you know, are these kind of temporary things as we get through the pandemic? You know, I think there's going to be certain things that will slide back a bit. But I do think there's been a fundamental shift. I mean, now that you know, I've talked to a number of folks that never tried some of these platforms and they found out, wow, that's pretty easy, right? That's pretty convenient. I don't think that slides back. Will people go out to restaurants and retail again and, and shop the way they used to shop? Absolutely, right? We're not going to go 100% curbside or delivery. But I think that percentage of those who do on more than one occasion is going to go up and will stay up. And so I think it's, again, it's this hybrid model that we're going to get to where people are going to have to ensure that the experience they have cross-channel works and always consistently works and works together. 
because you're not going to always do curbside, but you might do it once a month, right? And before you never did it at all. Not every occasion, but it's got to work when the occasion is there because people tried it and they liked it and it's going to still continue even after the pandemic starts to, to weaken. Yeah, very interesting point. I think what's interesting uh, as you were at TJF, I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of our kind of table service, you know, clients and listeners, you know, talk through or think about is how do you create that, you know, really that on-demand experience where really the brand was, you know, welcoming guests in and it was that experience that they get in the restaurant. How do you create that same experience out of the restaurant as they're taking out and getting delivery? Any pointers there that you have for, you know, table service, you know, clients uh, of, of what to think about and what to adopt? Yeah, I think the, the best thing is because every brand is going to be a bit different, right? Is, you know, what we did was got everyone in the room and really mapped out kind of the customer journey, both pre and through the fulfillment of the interaction, in our case, a food and beverage occasion, right? Where were they? What were they thinking about? What was the, the, the what we call the moments that matter? And the moments that matter in that journey is where you think about as a brand, you have to insert yourself and do something that is meaningful and sticky, right? To me, stickiness is more important than loyalty. Loyalty is fleeting. But if you can create the right experiences during those moments that matter, you create real stickiness to the brand. And I think that's what you have to figure out in that customer journey is what's important to your specific guests? What is that aha moment that makes them say, wow, that was amazing, right? And and for us, and I think what we'll find for a number of brands is the more you can create personalized interaction, the more you can create something that's not one size fits all, right? So we went as far as we took the data and we know about you and said, no, Bobby always orders Thursdays at 7 p.m. And we know what he orders. We know what he likes. So if we can automate something that says we're going to send Bobby a message at 6.55 p.m. on a Thursday, highly personalized, fill your basket. And all you have to do is put your thumb down on your phone. That's a highly personalized, relevant and timely interaction. We make your life easier. Right. And we kind of create that almost as if you were walking into the restaurant and everyone knew your name and we knew your favorite drink. It was your favorite bartender. Right. We can create that through technology because we know a little bit about you. And so that's taking that in restaurant experience and extending it into the digital life. Most of the questions kind of that people have are, what does the future hold? What do I do now? What do you think, you know, you've had a lot of experience uh, in the space and over the last 25 years, what do you think has not changed? What, what, what does not change and what is here to stay in the restaurant and retail segments? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fundamentals of, of retail are still there, right? Which is you have to fulfill a need, right? I mean, retail and restaurants are there because you need something. You're hungry, right? Or you need that whatever shirt, right? You, you need. And so fulfilling a need is still at the core of the hospitality and retail industry, right? And so understanding what those needs are, though, in this case, goes beyond, again, sometimes just the product or service, because the need is, yes, I'm hungry right now, but I'm hungry and I need to feel safe, right? So it goes beyond just making sure I'm delivering the right burger to you and I have to deliver the right experience that that burger is coming in a convenient, safe, frictionless, and safe environment. And so at the core of retail and hospitality is still understanding what is your consumer need? What are the need states, the why of what you're offering? and ensuring that the package in which you're delivering it meets that need better than anyone else. Because especially in today's world, and what's even grown up in the last 25 years is it's become more and more competitive. 
There's so many options right now to get that burger, to get that shirt. And so you've got to create the package that fulfills that need better than anyone else and create stickiness because the experience shown through people are going to be less and less dependent. I mean, initially on the discount and more on the experience, you know, people still go to Nordstrom. It's not the cheapest option, but the experience is pretty nice and it's different than if you went anywhere else. And so we're seeing department store chains file for bankruptcy left and right, but because they're just selling shorts, they're just selling shirts and they've, they've forgotten about the experience in which they grew up. And you got to go back to that fundamental of delivering, not just the product or service, but the overall need state for your consumers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the point that you make that, um, I guess a, a lot of even larger brands as well, but smaller brands also kind of miss is that it's not, it's not about price. It's, it's about that experience that you create, because even right now I'll tell you me personally, I'll buy a lot of things online, but there's different things I, I definitely won't. You know, buying clothes is one of them, right? I want I want that experience when I go into a different retailer that I like. I want I want that experience when I walk into restaurants. I'll cook more at home uh, because I went to restaurants for that experience, right? And, and I think that's what, what one part that uh, most smaller retailers uh, and restaurateurs have to have to figure out how to create that experience based on their client set. As you said, even larger ones uh, don't always get it right. So as you've been thinking about this, what are some some of the areas and, you know, kind of maybe tactical advice that you can give to restaurateurs and retailers as they're building up these experiences that are both, you know, kind of in-store and out, out of store, right? Where I'm doing curbside now, I have to do delivery. I want to stay relevant or I don't have to, but, you know, most are. How do you go about doing this without getting it wrong? How do I not go buy every technology piece out there and try to stitch it together? What's your advice there? Yeah, I mean, to, to us, you, you got to think through, again, you know, I kind of, you know, what's the 80-20 rule? A, you can't try to solve world peace, right? You can't, you know, you can't try to create this, this perfect environment for every guest. And that's why it's really important to understand who are your guests, to your point. What is the segments that you're trying to reach? And those that will provide, in our case, you know, the best total lifetime value, right? Who are the consumers that are not the one-offs, are not just visiting you two times a year, but think of the folks that really are attracted to your brand and to the product and service and the experience you're offering once a month, right? Those are your frequent kind of sticky shoppers, right? In retail and restaurants. And think about what you're doing in their shoes, right? What else can you be doing to ensure, again, regardless of channel, that you're meeting that need state that they're looking for? And then you got to create the use case, right? For us, you can try lots of things, but you better have the right metrics in place to ensure it's working and pilot the hell out of things, right? Because you can get crazy to your point in terms of spending a boatload of money on different technologies. If there's no ROI, it's meaningless. So, you know, the thing that I kept telling my team is that, you know, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. You've got to measure the hell out of everything because you got to have an ROI here. You can't just put technology in because it's kind of cool to talk about, or it's, you know, it's a, it's a PR plug, right? It's got to actually deliver value. You know, we're, we're in the for-profit business. And as restaurants and, rent and, and retailers think about where to invest, you know, you got to try a bunch of different use cases, but figure out which one is really metric driven from an ROI perspective that can create real value for your target consumers. Move the big rocks first. Move the 80, not the 20%, and, and really create some value right up front. 
You know, aside from uh, TGF, which had a great has a great experience, uh, what are some other either one or one or a few kind of restaurant brands that you've seen, whether small or big, that have you know created really great experiences? There's obviously a number of kind of smaller independent groups that have, in my mind, created something unique. You know, you look at some of the smaller brands like the Fat Brands Group, very interesting, right? They've, they've got a number of very cool kind of different formats with different brands, but just the experience they've created inside their four walls is, is pretty interesting. And then you look at some of the, the bigger chains. I mean, if you think about what Chipotle did as casual space, right? Really focused on transforming into a digital first organization and, you know, created this very seamless, I can either go in and pick up my food from one of the, the lockers. It's right there for me. I can skip the line. It's touchless and really created an experience that was almost like you were virtually standing in line and picking out what you wanted, right? For your burrito or your bowl, right? And, and created that similar type, you know, really cool, really easy and frictionless experience. And you look at, you know, what some of the folks even like Wingstop, you know, Wingstop really you would think about is a digital first organization. And, you know, they were double digit comp sales increases during the pandemic because they were already there. They were already digital. They didn't have to scramble. And, you know, you can order Wingstop like you could Fridays by talking to Alexa a year ago. And so it's those types of things that they were planning already for a very different environment and creating an experience that people could touch them whenever and wherever they are. And they were able to leverage that to their benefit. Are there, um, you know, uh, again, for kind of more of the smaller restaurant brands, are there like one or two pieces of advice that, you know, that you can give them right now of what to do that's really actionable today? And I know you've given a lot of great advice on you know, kind of follow ROI and all that good stuff. But like, is there, as people look for more tactical, like, let me go do this t- today to be able to establish uh, more of uh, my brand out there to, to my customers. Any sort of tactical advice there? Yeah, I think the the key thing here is, you know, getting out, obviously, from a marketing perspective through the digital and social channels and really focusing on, again, the beyond the product that you're selling, right? Talk about the experience more than the burger and really hit home on some of these things that are more out in front from a consumer consciousness perspective right now. That's beyond the product, right? And talk about what you're doing that's different, that's visibly different, Right. But I also think there's very tactical things you should be doing as a smaller restaurateur to utilize the capabilities that you probably already have, right? You already have a kitchen and you already have people working in the kitchen. And if your dining business is not there, then maybe offer more different foods and menus in your kitchen for delivery only, right? Talk about virtual brands, right? So if you're primarily a lunch and dinner concept, maybe you can repurpose some of the ingredients in the kitchen and create a breakfast brand and create a virtual brand that you can put on the different delivery platforms and utilize the space you already have, utilize the kitchen that you already have and extend basically your brand, extend the usage and the utilization of your kitchen and your labor and create incremental revenue in a different day pump or in a different menu and then really extend what you're able to do. I think everyone's dying for incremental revenue right now. You can't have people inside your restaurant in a number of states extend what you offer then in the other channels that you can and, and really create some incremental revenue for you and the brand. That's great advice. That's great advice. I actually have a restaurant uh, that I frequent a lot here in San Francisco and 
they're recently offering meal kits where they just give you all the ingredients and you cook at home. And it's interesting, right? And we've tried it a few times. It's great because you get to cook at home, but not, you know, they're giving you all the ingredients. So it always tastes great. <laughs> and uh, it's a great experience. But uh, that, that's one of the points of kind of what you're saying. Let's look at the uh, customer set and other ways that we can kind of engage uh, with them. You know, you've been, of course, uh, again, in the space for a while. And, you know, what are some technologies that you've seen being adopted at a faster pace than you had initially expected? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. Uh, you know, we were one of the first brands to really jump into the AI space. And, you know, it was pretty new. We really started dabbling with it a couple of years ago. And so all our, all our AI, we have powered bots on all the social media, right? So all those, those discussions that we have with guests across the platforms are actually an AI tool that answers people back and has conversations, right? And so it was pretty nascent back then, but now everyone's got an AI bot, right? That adoption really exploded uh, because you can't have thousands of people behind laptops answering a thousand social media posts, right? That really increased in my mind, but also kind of the, um, Everyone, you know, talked about a consumer or uh, basically a consumer data warehouse, right? Where's, where's all the data you collect about your consumers? And, you know, now there's these, uh, they're called kind of CDPs, right? Consumer data platforms. Uh, and the adoption of those has exploded. And, and for obvious reasons, because you can pull all this information together. Again, like I know you order on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and I know what you order and because of your basket, I know you're married and have two kids and I know all this about you, but unless I can put all that disparate data together, it's just disparate data, right? It's like it fills up space in a warehouse. So it's these tools that really what I call connect the dots. So I know who you are. I know what you like. I know what you don't like. I know when you order. I know where you are when you order. These CDPs connect those dots so you can actually do something with the data. And that's become an explosive area of growth for restaurants and retailers because it's the data is powerful if you put it together and you know how to use it. Otherwise, it's, it's just tons of data. <laughs> and so that explosion, really the, the use of those kind of technologies that put stitch, stitch the data to kind of connect the dots and then create an opportunity for you to use it to drive revenue is really exploded on the market in the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months. And I see, especially now, that is not going to slow down at all. Do you think there's any any technologies that you're kind of excited about that you think is going to shape uh, the future of uh, restaurant and retail spaces? Yeah, I, I really think taking that a step further, there's two areas. One is some of these proximity technologies. And, and what I mean by that is not just now knowing who you are, but knowing where you are. And it, it, it's kind of skirts the line between creepy and cool. But if, you know, if I know who you are, but I also know where you are, and let's say you walk into one of my restaurants and because of your phone signature, I know as you're walking in and maybe my host or hostess has an earpiece in and they're like, Bobby's about to walk in and his favorite drink is an old fashioned. And so imagine you walk in and my hostess says, welcome back, Bobby. Would you like your old fashioned again? And oh, by the way, I know it was your birthday last week. Happy birthday you're feeling like a VIP, right? Like, wow, that, that's yeah. you know, it was my birthday last week. <laughs> we have a free birthday cake for you. We're going to offer you a free birthday cake after your meal, right? So yeah, yeah. that kind of proximity technology to be able, again, not re we're not replacing the host or hostess with technology. We're making that interaction so much more special for you. 
right? And using the technology in, in that way. And I also think there's a lot of very cool things that are is going to, I think, emerge beyond the gimmicky things for AR and, and VR type things, right? So, you know, it's kind of gimmicky now and people hold up their phone and do fun things. And some retailers are doing a really cool job with that. You know, actually some of the cosmetic chains, right? So you can look at it and see your hair color chains based on the colors so that virtually women can see if they use this box, it'll look like this purple or this red. That's kind of neat. But if you extend that, think about a live menu. And what I mean by that is hold your phone over any menu item and you can see the dish being made by the chef. You can see where the ingredients came from. You hear the story behind how this, this dish was created, right? Think of it like a living menu or a live menu. I mean, there's going to be a number of things that, again, will enhance the experience because of the technology and really create something special and unique. And I think that's going to continue to expand. And then I also think more facial recognition pieces is going to become more of the norm as more people get used to that. So being able to understand, again, not only who you are, but allowing you to interact because of your face and where you are and being able to order, know your number, your order, pay and everything through your face. So there's a number of things there. And I think the final piece is voice recognition actually as well, right? I mean, obviously more and more people are talking to their Google homes and to their Amazon Alexas and to their cars. I think we're going, it's, it's amazing. We're going to come full circle. We used to, we used to talk to things and then we started using our thumbs. Now we're going to go back to talking to things again. And it's, it's just going to be easier because we're not going to want to type anymore. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's, that's actually very interesting. It, it has come full circle. Now everything's being integrated with these uh, voice services. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's crazy. So um, what do you think, by the way, from, uh, you know, I, I hear a lot from a lot of guests that we're having recently, facial recognition, especially is, is one of the, the areas that they're kind of focused on, how to personalize an experience by knowing who, who comes into your location and automate that, you know, for your servers or for your retail clerks or whatever the case may be. What's your position on facial recognition in general? And, and do you think the time is now or do you think consumers still have to get used to that? Like what you said, that, that merge between creepy and cool. I think it's, it's still, there's still the getting used to phase in that, especially in the United States. And so I, I do think there's going to be a lot of things around, you know, privacy concerns and how are you using this information? Are you becoming a little bit too personal in terms of my face is now stored somewhere, right? But if you think about, again, Apple is really driving the way here, right? Everyone looks at their phone now to open it. So again, I think this migration is occurring through basically what Apple has put in front of everyone. And so if I can just look at my phone and open it and sometimes pay, right? Because that face ID opens your wallet, it can pay for you. I think it becomes more of a natural progression for then retailers and restaurateurs to use that same sort of mindset or pre, you know, people getting used to it to extend it. That's not going to happen overnight. But if you see the proliferation of what's even happening on people's phones, it's coming. And it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later, especially given what the pandemic has created in terms of greater adoption to some of these technologies at a faster pace than if we were, if COVID had not occurred. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Sharif. That was a wealth of information. I know our listeners are going to love this. Um, before we leave here, um, any, uh, I know you're in Dallas. What Any favorites in Dallas? Any favorite areas we should visit if we ever uh, you know, come out to Dallas? 
Well, we have uh, we have a, a great growing uh, restaurant scene here and uh, some great restaurants and some great chefs that are really doing unique things. Uh, and so, yes, I, I welcome everyone. Probably not this month when it's 100 degrees, but uh, come on down to Dallas. Uh, great service, great experience, great people. And uh, we'd love to have you come join our state. Awesome. 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 Thank you again, Sharif, for your time. And that was, again, a great wealth of information for our listeners. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me again. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.